This talk was given by Robert Roxon Ritchie at Zen Mountain Monastery. Roxon is a senior monastic in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you'd like to make a donation or find out more about our retreats and residency programs, visit our website at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. And um, good afternoon to our uh, cyber sangha up there. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, it, it feels good to have uh, so many of you uh, with us. Um, we are on our best behavior because um, we know you're watching. Um, today, I'd like to talk about what it means uh, to be lost to be found. But first, I want to acknowledge that, especially in the last few days, I have felt um, a very special privilege. I have uh, the dubious distinction of being uh, the uh, oldest resident and among the most at risk during this virus attack. So I'm fussed over and uh, provided for and um, generally loved a lot here. Thank you all very much. As the old men of the monastery, I and my brother um, Yukon have been perceived as most vulnerable and the ones to be most protected. Thank you very much. But um, so far, we feel fine, and we really don't feel that old either, <laughs> actually. Um, up to now, uh, these bodies uh, seem, seem to be holding together pretty good. Um, but I have no illusions about impermanence. I feel its breath on the back of my 72-year-old neck every day. Um, but every day feels like a gift. It is at this age. Um, it, it is, and it's always that way. As you get older, and if you are paying attention, uh, you know it more directly. But now, with this pandemic, um, everybody feels it. Here in our faces are the grotesque bones of skulls. Um, we, we see them just under the thin flesh um, of our most optimistic expressions. Um, many of us are looking at death more directly than we ever have before. Such a, a rude confrontation. Suddenly, we are confronted with real danger. We see people dying across the world and know that we could be next. Of course, um, people have been dying across the world forever, but this seems more 
pernicious, more aggressive somehow. The convergence of the miraculous and delicate circumstances that enabled life as we know it to develop on this planet seem to be shifting. We seem to be shifting them. And um, suddenly our experience of the world has destabilized. Everything feels not only really impermanent in a most penetrating and urgent way, but threatening now and dangerous. Who will fall next? What part of our familiar world, our familiar systems of security, health, food systems, light and power, employment, finance, communication, and of course, the cascading ecosystems will collapse, will implode, will explode, expose us, overwhelm us, undo us. For many of us, life was going along just fine. Now, we must reassess everything. Life itself, family, relationships, community, career, basic sustainability. Where are we, where are we in all of this? Where are we going? I have felt this existential insecurity this disorientation, this threat, a few times in my life before, when I have been lost in the wilderness. Many of us have known the chilling feeling when we suddenly have no clue where we are in the Hamas Mountains or the Gila Wilderness or the South Bronx and have no idea how to find our way home. Some people seem to have an innate sense of direction and never get lost. Not me. Turn me around three times and I'm wonderfully bewildered. Usually, like the invincible 18-year-old who will live forever that I've always been, I'm not too freaked out. I have my friends, Bob and Steve. They fuss and argue over the topo and the compass. I tend to go off oblivious uh, into the rocks, chasing a horny toad or um, sticking my nose in the butterscotch of the ponderosa bark. I knew we'd figure it out somehow. But once, once we were out of water in the high desert, and completely lost. We went up and down the rough canyons, looking for trails, for green trees, for other people, for a sign, for water. Nada. Mucho nada. The maps didn't seem to match the land. We were alone in the New Mexico sun. The New Mexico caliche is a dusty dirt of New Mexico, thirsty and lost. We were getting a little desperate because Fred was with us this time. Fred has a heart condition, and he has the beginning stages of Parkinson's disease. 
and um, mountains and canyons were always somewhat of a challenge for him. I stayed behind and made sure he stayed with us, but I could see he was having a hard time. The Hamas wilderness is a big place. You can walk a long time without seeing any sign of civilization. There are bones in the dirt. We were scared now, and nobody was cracking any jokes. Everything had a newness and a vividness and a strangeness to it. We were threatened and quite alive. At the funeral for my mother, I noticed the deep emerald green of the holly bush just outside the porch of the funeral parlor, glistening in the rain. So, so pulsing with darkness and a shiny greenness and a kind of vivacious finality that wouldn't quit. Something wild there. Something alert. The existential starkness of the moment seemed to express itself in a heightened sense of every detail of every sensation. Here, confronting death itself and the loss of my mother, everything was suddenly intensely alive. All the usual screens and preoccupations were rolled back. In the high desert light, the high desert alpine light, everything has edges. You have to squint. The bright sky is blazing behind every cactus, every mesa, every red, white, yellow, purple swath of earth. It's teeth in your eyes. This is our world today. The poem beneath the first Oxfording picture downstairs speaks to this mind. It says, In the pasture of the world, I endlessly push aside the tall grasses in search of the, bro- of the bull, following unnamed rivers lost upon the interpenetrating paths of distant mountains, my strength failing and my vitality exhausted, I cannot find the bull. I only hear the locusts chirping through the forest at night. Rinzai master Kakuan wrote these lines and painted these pictures in the 12th century. He saw himself and us at the beginning, lost, lost in samsara, lost in a wilderness of mind, lost in a pandemic of swirling, bewildering changes and rough country. That's where we seem to be now. 
We are just weeks into it, but for some of us already, our strength and vitality seem to be failing. We are lost and thirsty and a little shaky. Which way now? All we have are the peepers peeping in the vernal pools in the night. But what do they know? Now that I think of it, But here we are. We have started. We are in it, whatever it is. We want to find our way. We want to see the trail, the light, health, well-being, the way out. But who is it that is worried? Who lifts that leg there onto the high stone? Who parts the grass Who don't know? The second picture poem says, Along the riverbank under the trees, I discover footprints. Even under the fragrant grass, I see his prints. Deep in remote mountains, they are found. These traces can no more be hidden than one's nose looking heavenward. Yeah, we, we may not be looking at the abject black befuddlement of our early days anymore. We may have seen something. We may have found the mountains and rivers of the Dharma, the Dharma of the mountains and rivers, the mountains and rivers order, Dogen, Footprints, teachings, path. God Almighty, a path, a way to go. Teachers, a sangha, and a sense of self. Uncertain and tentative and frightened, but just now leaning into the way. Now, here we go. Go we now here into Sashin. The poem says, These traces can no more be hidden than one's nose looking heavenward. The nose knows. Soon, even in these dark times, the primrose the lily of the valley and the lilac will lift and turn us. The third poem says, I hear the song of the nightingale. The sun is warm. The wind is mild. Willows are green along the shore. Here, no bull can hide. What artist can draw that massive head, those majestic horns? Indeed, the nightingales have it. The sun, the wind has it. Leonard 
has a song about this. He calls it The Ballad of the Absent Mare. It's about a cowboy and his lost horse. But I think he cribbed it all from venerable Kakuan-san. Say a prayer for the cowboy, his mares run away, and he'll walk till he finds her, his darling, his stray. But the river's in flood, and the roads are awash, and the bridges break up in the panic of loss. And there's nothing to follow, there's nowhere to go. She's gone like the summer, gone like the snow. And the crickets are breaking his heart, with their song as the day caves in and the night is all wrong. Did he dream? Was it she who went galloping past and bent down the fern, broke open the grass, and printed the mud with the iron and the gold that he nailed to her feet when he was the Lord? And although she goes grazing just a minute away, He tracks her all night. He tracks her all day. Oh, blind to to her presence, except to compare his injury here with her punishment there. Then at home, on a branch in the highest tree, a songbird sings out so suddenly. Ah, the sun is warm and the soft winds ride on the willow trees by the riverside. Oh, the world is sweet, the world is wide, and she's there where the light and the darkness divide. And the steam's coming off of her. She's huge and she's shy, and she steps on the moon when she paws at the sky. And she comes to his hand, but, he, but she's not really tame. She longs to be lost. He longs for the same. And she'll boat and she'll plunge and through the first open past to roil and to, and to roll and to feed in the sweet mountain grass. Or she'll make a break for the high plateau where there's nothing above and there's nothing below. And it's time for the burden, and it's time for the whip. Will she walk through the flame? Can he shoot from the hip? So he binds himself to the galloping mare, and she binds herself to the rider there. And there is no space, but there's left and right. And there's no time, but there's day and night. And he leans on her neck, and he whispers low, Whither thou goest, I will go. And they turn as one, and they head for the plain. No need for the whip, ah, no need for the rain. Now the clasp of this union, who fastens it tight? Who snaps it asunder the very next night? Some say the rider, some say the mare, or that love's like the smoke beyond all repair. But my darling, says Leonard, just let it go by. 
that old silhouette on the great western sky. So I pick out a tune, and they move right along, and they're gone like the smoke, and they're gone like this song. That about covers it. I remember um, the first time Leonard sang this song. Ram Dass's troubadour, Jai Gopal, was stealing the show at the fire circle one summer during the seminar on the sutras on Mount Baldy. He was singing rapturous love songs to God. And Ramdas was telling funny supernatural stories about Guru Babaji, and everybody was quite hypnotized and blissed out. I suspect Roshi was feeling a bit upstaged on his own turf, or perhaps he too just wanted to offer something. So after his morning talk, he turned to his own troubadour and said, Leonard, you sing. Leonard said, not yet, Roshi. Not ready yet, Roshi. But by the end of the week, he did bring us his cosmic cowboy and his skittish mare. It's on the album called Recent Songs. The ox herding pictures proceed to show us how to practice, how practice may unfold. Find yourself in each picture, in each poem. They are lovely teachings that can help us find our way when we may feel lost. We are so lucky, so fortunate to have these teachings. The sutras, Roshi's Teshos, our practice, and each other, especially now in this difficult time, such powerful medicine. As William Cosgrieve, a playwright and contemporary of Shakespeare, said about music, they hath charms to soothe a savage breast, to soften rocks and bend a knotted oak. Here's an old poem about being lost. It's called Ring of Stones. Mapless, tentless, and cold. You cannot see where you are, nor rest in the drizzle. The wet brush envelops you. Game trails mislead you. You, who were once snug in a clearing with friends. Were you so easily called away? There were images rippling in that pool below camp. Or was it the last of the sun glinting on the cliff above? Or the shadow of a large animal slip, slipping away in there among the trees? These thickets are not those. The dervish spruce rake your passage from eye to eye, ridge to ridge, while you spend your breath Another sun sets. Broken branches, marks in the dirt, resin and scat confuse. There is no way but your own in this cracking 
tear and snap. But here now, in the dwindling light and the deepening chill, a ring of stones, someone less lost, left behind. Crouch like an animal at a spring, your hand on the damp ash, black yet warm in all this rain. Rise now, cut with the, to- with the one tool you have, curls of dry shavings from a barkless branch and carry them home. Your fingers gently pull away the paste on top, open the heart of the hole and find the sad orange glow weakly winking in the bowl. Bring what you have prepared to the ceremony, your face to the pit, not with the vigor of your youth, the frustrations of your middle age, or the chilled goose flesh of your ordeals. Bend to the work, and like a lover, send your softness steady, steady through the windows and the small house of the coal. Watch how it brightens with each breath, how your long exhalation makes heat. Steady, steady, or the house goes cold. While your arms tremble with the weight of your body, look for fire in the earth. See a shaving nearby, bend, whiten, bloom in flame. See how it relinquishes form. See how an old fire can burn again. In 1980, a wandering monk was exploring the wilderness of upstate New York. A little lost, perhaps, not really knowing what he was looking for, yet determined to find it. A student of the way, he knew it when he saw it. A grand, massive, blue stone edifice, this majestic ring of stones within which we sit and study our minds today. Here, he established our Dharma home. It is made of exquisite and carefully cut bluestone, but it is also made of much finer stuff, too. You guys up there in the ethers on the other side of the camera, you know how large this spiritual ring of stones is and how profound even from hundreds or even thousands of miles away, you can still feel the tremendous heat from the fire that Daito Roshi started 40 years ago. You can still hear him bellow, combust your life. You can listen to the deep healing silence in the Zendo. 
And you can take refuge in the three treasures in this place of practice, this refuge in this time of storms and tribulation. We bow in deep gratitude. Now it is our turn to tend the fire, our turn to keep these stones together, and our turn to make our offering for all those lost pilgrims out there in the rain, looking for a sign, a way to go, a path. We have one. But I don't want to suggest that lost is always a condition of anxiety. Sometimes it can be a joyful predicament. Completely lost can be completely found. Consider a moment when you sniffed a glass of fine wine and then brought brought it to your lips and sipped. Ah, yes, that is a sublime rapture. Or maybe just the other early morning when you opened the door and the world was covered in snow and the sky was covered in stars. Or perhaps the slow movement of Beethoven's late string quartet number 16 or 15. Or just now, nothing special when you exhaled completely. Here, there is no map or compass or trail. We don't seem to need them. Here is where we can, at last, be lost to ourselves and found in the great mountains and rivers and vast vistas of our lives. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as meditation cushions, incense, malas, liturgical instruments, books, and more, Visit the Monastery Store at monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.